This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And Joe, big week, UFC 266 ahead of us, and uh, a lot of interesting and somewhat strange things going on in the world of uh, combat sports, uh, as it seems to be uh, each and every week. But uh, how, how's everything with you? Everything good? So, yeah, things are good. I mean, uh, Glory's back and going. We had our press conference with Rico and Overeem yesterday, so that's starting to, to build up. Uh, Jim here at Bazooka Kickboxing is good, and you asked me off, Aaron. I'm like, I'm alive and good, Aaron. You know, I'm alive, which is good. But, uh, yes, things things are good here on my end. Just uh, excited for a big pay-per-view, to be honest. I mean, I wasn't overly excited from this last week card, but um, I've already got into all these countdowns and uh, the embedded shows, so I'm all in for this weekend. Yeah, well, this is the this is the high level stuff that we uh, that we love to see in in this sport. You got two title fights. You got Nick Diaz returning to uh, face Robbie Lawler. You got uh, Curtis Blades Rosenstroik. You got uh, Cynthia Calvillo Andrade, Mirab Dvalishvili against Marlon Moraes, Dan Hooker against Nazrat Hakprast. Maybe uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Chris Dawkins against Shamil Abdurakhimov. Like these are these are great fights. Yeah, nonstop. I was going to ask you, I mean, you gave that little uh, voice on the Hasprat. What's going on with visa issues? Why are some guys having problems coming over? Well, Hackbarast wouldn't have had an issue, but his mom passed away and he had to go to Germany for the funeral. So that changes your visa mm. status if you leave the country and come back. So now he's working okay. to get that sorted out. And uh, Dan Hooker, uh, because of the lockdown in New Zealand, because they have New Zealand has basically a COVID zero policy, where if there are any cases, they lock down the country in, in certain stages, depending on the on where where in the country you are. Um, that basically closed down the American consulate, so he had to figure out how to get his how to get a meeting there to get his visa going. But he's all good now. I spoke to him the other night. Right. And, uh, it seems like everything's good uh, in that department. And um, you know, uh, Terrence McKinney is in Las Vegas. He was one of the guys that actually stepped up. You know, I asked Dan Hooker, I go, why, is no, why did nobody want to, like, step up to face you? You have a ranking, like, you'd think that people would want to step yeah. up. He goes, only two people stepped up, Nazrat Hakparast and Terrence McKinney. Uh, and he's like, well, McKinney's only had one fight in the UFC, so we went with Hakparast. But uh, I mentioned to Dan Hooker, like, McKinney's in Vegas. And when I asked Terrence, um, you know, what he was doing there, he said he was just going there to go to the PI and try to, like, figure out just do some tests and figure out how he can you know stay at an optimal body weight just learn yeah. more about his, his his body chemistry so he just happens to be in vegas and uh you got two fighters that are having visa issues and he's probably he says to me he's at the me he's ready to step right in he can make 55 no problem yeah why not if you're there i would do it i mean if you're that kind of guy but uh i think this hooker hasprat fight is incredible though like it's got to go through well i think that hooker versus mckinney is a more fun fight i, I don't know really? if it's as competitive i mean McKinney's just like this kid is is unbelievable. If you if you look at his recent fights, so Dan Hooker's last fight was what? It was like probably about a minute and forty five seconds. The one with with Chandler, I guess that would be his last fight. If you look at McKinney's last couple of fights, and I'm just pulling it up in front of me now, so he has won four in a row, and those fights have lasted a combined. Like one minute and forty-five seconds. So basically, the the equivalent of that one Dan Hooker fight. His last four fights have lasted that amount of time. He had a seven-second knockout in his last fight in his UFC debut against Matt Frivola. So this guy's just destroying people. Yeah, but what the biggest issue with me with Dan Hooker, which scares me now, is that he eats a lot of shots. So I don't know how his uh, 
his head is going to take all these shots. He's one of those guys that gives one to take one, and that's why he's so exciting. So that kind of uh, worries me when he fights those big power punchers. So, well, that's yeah. why it's interesting to me. I mean, if McKinney yeah. beats Dan Hooker, he's like a top 10 lightweight with two, like, two fights into the UFC, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I would say so if he gets that opportunity. But I think Hasbrad's been around. We've seen him. That's the, the fight excites me more, to be honest. Yeah, I, well, I think Hackbrad is more proven and has the better resume for sure. Um, but I, if, if you're talking just sheer excitement, I'd be more. I think that would be a more exciting fight. It would be McKinney versus Dan Hooker. But I think that Hackbrad is a more worthy opponent, if that makes sense. And I yeah, think but, McKinney would probably agree with that too. Yeah, I'm. If you look at the the main event of the prelims, though, that's a little bit more exciting than all of those fights to me. Marias versus Davalishvili there. That's an interesting one. Yeah, power versus volume. That excites me there. Stylistically, big difference. For sure. And uh, I have a, I have an angle on this one if, from from a betting perspective. Oh, I thought you said you had an inside scoop. I was no, like, okay, just, just we got some inside. Marais by submission is plus 1,400. This guy's got a sick guillotine. And he's going he's gonna to throw, like, if Davalashvili tried to take him down, like, that, that's a live, live prop. Yeah. Easily, he can get that takedown with volume, good punches. Marias leaves his neck, boom. No, the yeah. other way around. Davalos really goes in for the takedown, and Marais grabs the neck. Marais has. Oh, like, Marais I has thought Davalos really has a good choke. chance. Yeah, no, okay, I can see it around. either way. Yeah, yeah. Because Marais is going to expect the wrestling, and Marais has has how many guillotine finish chokes does Marvin Marais have? I'm gonna look that up. I got. I like having this extra screen, Joe, that that I have now, where I can look stuff up on the fly. But then yeah, I'm I, always on this podcast and on radio saying, oh, I've got to look that up. And people don't need to hear that. Go. Whatever. I got two monitors be, thanks to you. Yeah. I got the double as well. Both thanks, both to, thanks to my mom. They, they, my mom yeah. works in the commercial industry, and they did a commercial with Samsung. And uh, off the set, we got some, uh, some monitors. There we go. Both so, taking uh, if, advantage. If you look at Marais, Marais has six wins by submission. Guillotine choke. Rear naked choke. Rear naked choke. Uh, Americana, rear naked choke. So, and and rear naked, like it's all like it's all rear naked chokes and, and guillotine chokes. I mean, this guy's just this is a dangerous man. Marlon Rice is always hunting for the finish, right? And yeah. I, I think Duwalas really is a fantastic fighter, and I think he's more likely to win this fight. But the guys that have been putting Marais away recently are not guys that are grinding him out. They're guys that are finishing him. And yeah, and Duwalas yeah. really doesn't finish uh, a lot of fights. Yeah, I could see it with that volume TKO pressure. That's the main thing I see from him. Of uh, Marab's losses, he has four. I'm curious to see how he loses. Well, he lost once by a, a submission against uh, Ricky Simone, but it was a very controversial submission. So basically, he was in a choke, and he was like peddling his legs the whole time to show the ref that he was still in oh, it. I think I remember that one. And, uh, and then the fight went the distance. It, the, it, it went to the final bell. And Marab got up, but he like stumbled a little bit, and the ref called the fight off and called it a submission. And and Duvalis really had won the first two rounds, so like, he should have won that fight. It was very controversial, but uh, otherwise and, and, his losses well, are just decisions. And one of those decisions yeah, I, was against Frankie Signs in a very controversial decision as well. I was gonna say it'd be surprising to lose decision with that pace. Yeah, for sure. And his uh. His, he started his career one and two, and that second decision loss was to Ricky Bandejas, who ended up having a, a solid career. Yeah, I see here he has a, a decision, no, a decision loss, yeah, to Senez. Yeah, uh, for Signs, Frankie Signs. Yeah. Signs? Oh, that's Signs. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, right. and he should have won that fight. I think Take he took signs down like 14 times in that fight or something like that. That was considered a pretty... Like, if I go to MMA decisions... Let's see. Let's see how many... Not that, not that the, the media um, are, are necessarily representative of, of the scoring criteria. But uh, here, let's see. Frankie Sainz beats Rob Dwellishvili. Let's see how many people had it scored for Sainz. That was one of those bad ones. Well, I mean, I have to go back and watch it because at the time I thought it was bad. But at the time I wasn't as familiar with the scoring criteria. So you had... You had Four media members scored for signs, one of whom had a 30-27 for signs. And you had Dwalishvili on six, ten of the people. So maybe it wasn't as controversial as I remember it to be. Yeah, I was watching one this weekend, and I didn't agree with one of your rounds. I was like, which one was that? I was like, what's Aaron watching? I can't remember which one. Which I have one? to think about From it. From this past UFC card? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember which one it was. You said 10-9. Someone was like, what? what am I watching? Am I watching it wrong, or did I miss something, or – there was one of them. I wasn't. Sure. I can't remember which one it was. I wonder which one it would have been. It popped up. It was close. Maybe it was. Um, was it the Montel Jackson? The Montel Jackson give... won thirty twenty seven across the board, and I had him winning all three rounds. Okay, so that wouldn't have been it. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got to think about it. It'll pop in my head, hopefully. All right. Cool. Uh. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't have been the main event that that fight didn't go to the second round. Uh, Kute Laba Clark. I had. I think I had. The first two for Kute Laba and one for Devin Clark, if I'm not mistaken. So that's kind of how it was. Yeah, I don't think that was what that was the one either. Yeah, we'll think about it. Well, when we look back on that card, Anthony Smith, great performance by him. First round finish against uh, Ryan Spann and then starts chirping at the end of the fight. And, uh, you know, Ryan Spann just wanted to go shake the guy's hand at the end. Yeah. Uh, it seems like uh, Anthony Smith is angry these days. He just, well, he just feels he, like he's disrespected. I mean, how can you... Fair. I mean, look at this guy's resume since he's moved to light heavyweight. So he moved to light heavyweight, and th- this is who he's beaten at light, in light heavyweight. Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua, Volkan Uzdemir, Alexander Gustafsson, Devin Clark, Jimmy Crute, Ryan Spann. Those are some great wins in the light heavyweight division, and, and I think nine, eight or nine of those fights have been main or co-main events, like, like five-round main events. Yeah. So this and guy's I mean, become I think a real name. Like, before that, he was kind of like a journeyman almost. Yeah, I think his analyst work helps him, to be honest with you. He just seems like he's his IQ's there. He's more confident. He knows what he's going to say. He's calculated with his words, his striking. I mean, he's uh, – I think um, the, what surprises me the most is the journey he's been on. I mean, most guys you look at, they're, you know, 10 fights, 12 fights in. Like, his record, like, he's had probably lots of win streaks, downs, ups, and – He's definitely a journeyman. I'm trying to find his record well, it here. Well, took him like 40 fights to get the momentum like and, and the move up to light heavyweight. He was killing himself to make middleweight, and he moves up to light heavyweight, and he's, he's just on a roll. But look at his record, 35 wins, 16 losses. Like yeah. that's Who in MMA has that record? In kickboxing, that's like a, a beginning pro, to be honest with you. But in MMA, you don't really see guys with that much experience in mixed martial arts. So he's probably one of the most experienced guys now in the UFC with that record. Yeah, I would think I would have to think so. He's definitely in like the top 10 like top 10% or top yeah, 10 maybe easily. top 10. Yeah. Top 10 overall. I mean, you know, you think of people that have a lot of fights and uh, yeah, 52 52 fights uh, under his belt. So and but, only 33 I think too. You know, it's not yeah, that crazy young. old, right? Yeah. So 33 just turned 33. And you know, I spoke to him when last week and uh it just seemed to, like from talking to him that he just not, did not think that Ryan Spann posed much of a threat to him. Like he knew Ryan Spann was a good fighter, but he just didn't think that Ryan Spann was better anywhere, and it kind of showed in that fight. So what do you do with uh, Anthony Smith? 
keep throwing throwing tough opponents at him until he gets his way back to the title picture. I mean, he won three in a row. Uh, his losses are to John Jones, Glover Teixeira, and Rockich in the light heavyweight division. So those are pretty big names. You know, John Jones is John Jones. Uh, Glover is, is fighting for the title next, and Rockich is like a, a massive up-and-comer. Um, and why was Rakic called for next? So Smith wants what was to, that? Smith wants to face Rakic again. He wants the rematch with him. Okay. But, I mean, Rakic beat him. Isn't that up and on for him kind of thing? Or why was he so into messaging and saying, yeah, let's book it for December? Well, Rakic seems to want it too. Rakic is looking for an opponent. And it seems like Yuri Prokhashka wants to sit around and wait for the title, doesn't want to face Rakic. So I think Rakic thinks Smith might be like the next best thing. I don't know what the rankings would say about that, but I would imagine that Anthony Smith – is in the he, he's certainly got to be in the top 10 i would imagine as four they have him now they said they four. moved him up two so he's at four okay so he's in the top five so i mean yeah. and, then, and then where's rackets number two or three 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 and so then you've got yeah Pocosta, yuri two, two glover one, glover one. Yeah. yeah okay so yeah so that that's the logical if yuri's not going to fight anybody and wants to wait for the title shot then that's the fight that makes the most sense you, and then you, smith you yeah Montana. beats him goes back but yeah i guess rackets doesn't want to sit because he hasn't, I believe before his his fight with Smith, he was inactive as well. I remember if you look back like two years ago, Rakic was all I was talking about. This guy, his head kicks, how fantastic it is. He's the next big thing. And then we didn't really get to talk about him much. And then uh, he made his return, but with not much pop. Well, he's 2-0 and since the pandemic started. Unanimous decision wins over Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos. So both title challengers. Um, he lost a split decision to Volkan Uzdemir, a very close fight. And that's uh, his only UFC loss. Yeah, no, I like Rakic. I I I still think he's one of the most dangerous fighters. How long he is, good striking, good kicking. Like he's one of my favorites to watch. So I just want to see him. I think he could be the champion. I, like if I look at that list of guys, I'm, I mean, he's the one guy that I probably put as your him and Yuri could be your next champ. Jan and Glover, a little older now. We're forgetting one guy, a guy that no, I believe I will be it. champion in this division. Let me hear it. Magomedov. Oh, the yeah, he's sitting at seven. Ankalaev's a stud. That guy, that guy will be the champion of this division one day. Fifteen and one. Mark yeah, my with words. That. Yeah, I time can see stamp that. it. Get a yeah. tattoo. Your only tattoo. It'll say uh, how many? How far into the show are we right now? It says fourteen minutes time and twelve it. seconds. <laughs> Aaron declares Ankalaev will be a champion. Yeah. Okay, I can see it. I feel like if you're gonna get your first tattoo, Joe, that should be it. That's it. Yeah. Out of all of them, sure. It'll yeah. have so much meaning. First one. Here. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> well, we've. Uh, I we've, don't actually. I don't. But I, I, I don't blame you. That's a, that's a silly <laughs> idea, and, and I would highly recommend you don't. Do I that. think my first one would be at least mom first, and then that one second at least. You know, well, I love my champion. mom first. I mean, you, you want a, you want a champion at the highest level of kick championship at the highest level of kickboxing. Yeah. Well, mom still always gets number one. That's Mom's nice. going first. Has anybody ever gotten like an actual like a full title belt tattooed on them? Like like around the yes. Waist? Oh, not on their waist. Uh, Alex Pereira has his bicep. He has the glory belt tattooed all on his inner I bicep. Want to see a full title belt tattoo. Yeah. He's he used to be champion, cool to put like Tupac, right? Regardless what does of... Tupac have? Thug yeah. for life? Exactly. Yeah, so you just put your big belt instead of Thug for life. Make yeah. it something new. Yeah, you, you get, but you get it all the way around, like full with detail and all that. I mean, once you're a champion, you're always a champion. There you go. We've like got to get Rashad, uh, like Rashad Evans. If I saw Rashad Evans, I'd say, hey, champ. You know, like these always. He's, so he's, put the belt on. Yeah, even if yeah, yeah even if you lose on. the title, you're still a champion. You can't can't take that away from someone. Yeah, like some people with their wedding rings, they tattoo them because they don't want to wear them all the time. So tattoo your belt on so you don't have to wear it. Exactly. Easy. 
I like the Volkanovsky says something interesting to me. I, I think I can't remember if it was to me or it was in a different interview. He said like he puts when he gets home with his belt, he just puts the belt away and forgets that he's the champion. And sometimes like he'll just be thinking about it, be like, oh yeah, I'm the champion. Like it's yeah, they sit in dust under beds and yeah. I mean, eventually it's that's nothing. The way to do it right. You're the champion when you're like at the UFC events, but if you're at home, you're just dad and your husband. You know, your husband and all that. Yeah, one there was one thing I saw with Mike Tyson. I, I don't know. It's honestly I don't know if it's out there. I'm sure it's easy to find, but he's looking at all of his world championship belts all laid on the table. He's like, "What is this crap? What is this garbage?" He's like, "It means nothing to me. It's just metal and strap, and it means nothing. It means nothing to my life right now." Like he just went off on how all that it means nothing. It's just powerful, you know. It's, it's not like it does mean something. Obviously, it made him who he is, and and it's big, but at the big end of things it's it really is nothing it's your relationships with your family who you impacted so yeah i get what he's trying to say you know what you do with those belts matter rather than that belt itself yeah. but on the flip he's side of that it's say. kind of a token of your hard work of right? course i i think it's great where is your belt of course it's uh in a case on on a shelf it's not even open so you can't even see it is it, is it i don't clear, know I don't... is it a clear case or is it like a like a... no no it's just like a black case you oh, can't even okay. see it it's at home. Like, I know what's in it. I mean, if my people come over, it's like, if it was at the gym, it's something different. But the gym's in Scarborough. I would not trust yeah. the belt sitting in you Scarborough. Some, some dude unattended. walking around saying he's a glory champion. Yeah, I don't need an unattended belt <laughs> in Scarborough. So, no, I'm keeping that at home. And, uh, yeah, I don't need to look at it. Everyone's like, oh, why don't you put pictures on your wall of your fights? I was like, but why? I know. I've seen it. Like, I, you to me, there. it's, yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to look at pictures of myself on my own wall in my house, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I guess everyone's different, but it is a nice reminder. Like, if you ask me what the most probably important day of my life was, it's probably that day I won the world title. Yeah. I mean, it's also kind of so. sad. Mark DeBont's no longer with us, right? Like, you have to look at pictures of Mark DeBont who, like, tragically died. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 weird. It's a weird experience when you think about that, too. Like, it's hard to think about Mark DeBont passing as well. Yeah. yeah I was thinking about to a share that, mine, too. My friend of mine passed away, like, 19 years ago. He died in a car crash. And like uh, I was just thinking about him this week, and just like, looking at pictures of him, and it's just weird that he's not here anymore. You know, like it's just weird that he didn't get to continue his life. When you die yeah. at a young age, it's weird. It's like hard to rationalize. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I had a talk with uh, my best friend yesterday, Costa, with uh, just thinking about Derek because Derek's been over about a year now, and yeah. we've just he goes randomly. We got to pull over and just take a second sometimes because it's like, you know, that's that's the the lasting impression. You know, it's hard. Yeah. It ain't easy. It's just heavy. It's heavy to think that like somebody had so much more in front of them, right? Like somebody dies yeah. of old age. Somebody's older. They're up, you know, you know, over sixty-five or something. You feel like they've lived at least like a full life, but like when when people die young, it's just very sad. Yeah, I actually talking about I I got very emotional this last UFC card when they did that little promo for Susie, mm-hmm. the makeup. I like I said I don't know her, but I started I started tearing like during that little promo on the the UFC, and I mean. It's hard. I mean, we got down deep again just now. But, yeah, that got me me very emotional watching that, too. You know, it gave me a little bit of peace when she was talking about what, you know, what her legacy would be because she knew she was going to pass, right? Like, that's kind of – it's it's kind of uh, – there's a little bit of closure there, right? And I, I – it's still very sad, obviously, and something that was, like, not preventable. That's like when – I, when I think about my friend with the car accident, it's like – it's just so sudden, Right. With, with when you have somebody that has stage four cancer and they're talking about it, it's like it's kind of cathartic because they're they kind of know that this time that they're on borrowed time. We're all on borrowed time at the end of the day, but like, I, I, do you do you understand what I mean? 
No, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, my my thing with that, too, was watching her was like a lot of people from the outside. You'd be like, oh, she was just you know, oh, she was just the makeup girl at the UFC. But you realize how big of an influence that person is on everyone's life. So it doesn't matter what you do. It's how you interact with people. Right. That's the number one thing. It means like you could be the random guy at the UFC who just hands out the merchandise. But if you're good with people, the people love you like that's what work should be passion people liking you enjoying it um just like that's what amazing thing she was like she did makeup but everyone loved her she talked to people they probably opened up to her they created relationships with her so it doesn't matter what you do it's how impactful you are and she definitely was that yeah and there were a lot of people behind the scenes at the ufc that you don't hear much about that are that are just really solid people that i that when i'm that I really miss from not being on the road. I miss seeing them, but uh, oh, yeah. I see them on TV, right? So it's, I still like, I, yeah, yeah. I still you still of, think you're there almost. But like when I see them on TV doing their jobs, I think I, I think about them more as people, right? Because you know I know them personally, so it's just kind of yeah. it's kind of interesting. But yeah, there are a lot of just really really solid people that have had uh, pretty profound impact on on a lot of the lives of the people that uh, are behind the scenes of the UFC. So why, why don't we uh, why don't we talk about this weekend's card? UFC 266, Volkanovski Ortega. This is a tough one to call. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. This is what we know. We, what we know is that the last time we watched Ortega with his new team, um, including uh, your friend Jason Park, who uh, works yeah. with him, uh, he just looked like a totally reborn fighter, just totally revitalized, better striking. And, and knowing that he's had about a year since his last fight to learn even more, you got to think that that's an advantage. And then you look at the other side of the coin. you got Volkanovski, who hasn't fought in about 14 months. Uh, battled COVID, y- you know, there's just a lot of things going kind of against him and for Ortega. But then there's also just the the notion that I, I've i always had that Volkanovski is just ridiculously underrated as a fighter, underappreciated, yeah. and doesn't get his just due. And then when he's in there, you always remember, wow, that this guy is good. Yeah, and I think with Volkanovski, to that point, it's like, who have we seen him back-to-back with? Holloway. Holloway probably is the other pound-for-pound best fighter that you can talk about. So, I mean, I don't think you can shine against Holloway to make yourself that big dominant factor. So, I think he needs fights like this to uh, really solidify how good he is. And I don't know. I I keep jumping back and forth. I think there's – you know, I agree with the odds. He's a slight favorite. But Ortega, the way he's moving now, I, watching the videos, the way he's striking, the longness, the the fact that he's more well-rounded. He looks like a better athlete overall. He looks good. But Volkanovski, to me, still gives me that man-athlete strength. You know, it's just that illusion of just power, you know, explosive power where Ortega – you know, I feel like he's going to eat a few big shots and it's going to have to be a war style fight for him, but he can get it done. Yeah, so I'm back and forth. Well, What's your gut leaning? So durable, also. I mean, Ortega has lost inside the distance once, but it was a doctor stoppage. Like, he was getting just eaten Beat up bad. by Max Holloway. Yeah. Um, Does that make a know, factor right? when you, they, they fought, both fought Holloway, how they did? Is that influencing anything in this fight, or did Ortega just improve that much since then that we can't really say that it's a factor, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know, right? Because we have one fight, right? And he could have just been really on that night against um, against uh, uh, the Korean zombie. But, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm looking at the odds right now. Volkanovski by decision is plus 120. Ortega by decision is plus 450. So, I mean, if you think Ortega's improved enough, I don't see him getting Volkanovski out of there. 
No, no, but I can't I mean, see that. If, but but if you like Ortega and you think it's going to go the distance, and the odds of it going the distance are minus one thirty, Ortega by decision might be the best bet. If you yeah, want, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, for the value, that seems to be it. That might be What's the way Vol- I go if I'm going to bet this fight is just taking Ortega by decision. What is Volkanovski finish? Volkanovski inside the distance is uh, plus three hundred. Mm. I don't know. And Volkanovski has said he wants to finish this fight, but easier said than done against a guy like Ortega. Some calf kicks. You know, I can see calf kicks being a factor here. I mean, it took Max Holloway landing like 300 significant strikes for the doctor to stop the fight, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. 300 significant strikes from Holloway. I don't know what Volkanovski is going to do to finish you. Yeah, I think Volkanovski got a little bit more power than Holloway. Maybe that one-punch shot power. But... uh... I think, yeah, it's going to be tough. I think Ortega, he looks like an athlete. I don't know. When you saw Ortega before, I looked at him. I was like, yeah, he's great, but he doesn't look like that presence. But now he's he's fit. He's in shape. He's lean. He's he's moving well. Like, I saw him with his boxing coach. He's moving his head good. His hands look good. Then he's with his kicks with Jason, and his kicks are flying good. You know, then I see him on the ground with, with Gracie, and it's like, He's he's covered all, perfectly. I mean, he's he's well rounded. He's got the, the, a good team around him. He looks great. So I'm torn on this fight, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I'm mean, really I'm, torn. I'm with you. I I think that uh, the, I just think that from a value standpoint, Ortega by decisions the play. If you're going to get it at plus four fifty or whatever it is, like that just seems like it's way off in terms of the value. Like if, yeah. if the odds are that this fight goes to a decision, um, I I mean. We haven't seen Volkanovski get stopped, right? So it's hard to visualize that. But you never know. It gets into a wrestling exchange, a scramble, and Ortega gets him in some sort of sub, and it's over, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Ortega is he can win this in, in, a, in an, an array of different ways, whereas with Volkanovski, you, you know, if, if you think that he can finish Ortega, I think that the evidence that we've seen with Volkanovski in his recent fights would suggest otherwise, but who knows? Yeah, that's why I, this is I such think, an interesting fight. It's like, yeah. I have no clue what's going to happen here. I think this one here, I'm going to do the one where I just, I'm not even going to, touch anything predict anything i'm just gonna enjoy it Same i think that's the one i have to enjoy i'm kind of in that you know i feel like if i'm overthinking this fight i'm gonna lose the excitement i'm gonna want to lean one way it's like i'm almost like doing a disservice to myself i'm like joe just relax and watch it now that's where i think i'm at on this one yeah well now we look at the uh the flyway title fight you got valentina shevchenko is as high as a minus 2000 favorite in some spots and as low as a minus 1115 favorite so that's like that's the low end of what yeah. you know so for for this one you if you i've always said with shevchenko and her fights if you like shevchenko your best bet is to find an angle so shevchenko yeah. by knockout is minus 120 solid yes. angle that's shevchenko by do. sub plus 475 if it gets to the ground i could see that happening too by just finish is what um inside the distance is minus 220 okay. and then by decision is plus 225 so if you think mm-hmm. that Murphy's going to be able to be to withstand five rounds against Shevchenko, and uh, like that's the angle that I think is probably the best angle, is you take the I Shevchenko agree. by decision angle at plus two twenty five, because Lauren Murphy has Lauren Murphy been stopped in a fight before? I don't even know. Yeah, Lauren Murphy's just got that awkward style, which makes her very difficult and good. She's just always been very durable, also, right? Like, I think she's just lost. I don't think she's ever been finished. I think not, what what when I see she, her, she lacks like pop her. to me. That's the one thing I just feel like she lacks. But she makes up for it in that, you know, grinding style. The way she hits heavy. Yeah, I mean, all her losses are by decision, right? So, um, we'll have to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember- Shevchenko is a finisher, 
but a lot of the oh, times yeah. she also isn't. Right, a lot of the times her fights go to a decision. I think this. I think she's. Uh, I think she's finishing this one. I just Valentina, man. I just she's next level. The way she strikes, just hearing like she's lived her life, and I mean, okay, like whatever. I'm not the doesn't have the still fighting like she is, but like she's legit lived her life like me as a full-time martial artist she's saying in her thing she's like i've been training since i'm 28 years now yeah. i'm on 32 you know like i haven't taken a day off in 32 years she's uh 28 so i know like when i look at some of these newer guys i'm like man i've been doing martial arts older than you're like that's the old man speech i give people now you know i'm like i've been doing martial arts older than you actually are okay before you even a twinkle in dad's eye i was doing martial arts so um yeah i see where she She's she's good. She's a finisher, and I think she gets it done. But so, I do like Lauren Murphy too. In the last so. five years, since uh, since she fought Holly Holm, she's alternated decisions and finishes. So it's been decision finish, decision finish, decision finish, decision finish. So she's due for a decision. <laughs> oh, there you go. So that that's good uh, investigation work. You never know. Maybe she's on to something. Maybe she's doing it on purpose. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, but I think that's that's the angle I would take is the Shevchenko decision angle of plus 225. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I think this is an interesting one because Murphy's also a former um, a former uh, bantamweight. And I, I find that the, the fighters that move down a division are a little bit harder to, to score finishes over. In fact, let's see if that's a trend. A trend. So Maya used to be... So her last win was against Andrade, who's been both a bantamweight and a strawweight. But let's, let's say that more recently she was a strawweight and that was a finish. Maya was a decision, and she was more recently a bantamweight. Chukagian was also a, a more recently a bantamweight, and she lost inside the distance. So there's not really any sort of real trend here. Yeah. I was going to say, even you got to take into account, I, I know I don't like bringing it up for women, but the age of Lauren Murphy, uh, Murphy is up there as well. Yeah, how old I is mean, Lauren Murphy? She's like 36 or something along those 37 lines? it's showing. 37. No, 38 now. Just turned 38. 38. Yeah. Well, UFC still has her 37. Yeah, she's, got her a, stuff. she's got a son who's like 17 or 18. So, yeah. so she's, so she's yeah. got to be at least in her late 30s, right? So. Well, heck yeah. Like, I mean, she, I don't care. She looks great. She fights great. She's yeah. trying for a world championship at this time in her career. Whether she wins or loses, that that's a fantastic accomplishment. Oh, so, for sure. She's, she's certainly Unbelievable. To say that, you know, you're a mother, you're in shape, the commitment, and you're fighting for a world championship, hell yeah, Laura Murphy. Do right. your thing, girl. And since the since the yeah. flyweight division has been born in the UFC, she's only lost once. Heck she's yeah, got a six and one record. So she's definitely earned this this uh, designation yeah. of being the title challenger. And I, I don't even some... know who's next in line after this. I sometimes catch myself, you know, and I mean, like, oh, you know, she's not. Oh, they're only ranked number ten. I was like, only ranked number. You're, you're ranked number ten in the world. Sometimes I'm like, like, I mean, you for, we forget sometimes how incredible it is to be even in the UFC roster. I mean, I, you I know just. Murphy's ranked ten. No. No, no, no. I'm just saying okay. in general, number three. Okay. But what I'm saying is, in general, we forget. We're like, you know, she's only ranked something. You know, we use the words only because we're we're comparing it. But like, all of these people are incredible what they've done to even get in the roster. It's just oh, one right. of those. Sure. It's one of those reminders and being like, I hate sometimes being like, oh, you know, she's going to get smashed. She's this. And I'm like, well, well heck, let's look at the positive sometimes. I'm usually the other way. You usually have to throw the positive on me. So I'm switching it up today. Right. I like I'm, yeah, I'm self-positive today. Right. Well, Self-talking. Well, it's, it's negative time for me here when you oh. have Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler. And it's an even money fight. Like, people should bet that. In my opinion, don't take this as advice. We're betting your house People where? should bet the house on Lawler, don't you think? Based on what we know. 
I would think so. Yeah. On paperwork, yeah. You, we're putting uh, Aaron Bronstetter's house on. Yep. I don't well, know. That's that. That's the whole fun of it. Like, I don't, we haven't seen Lawler, but yes, I'm with you. You would think that that's the 100% bet to go with. All right, take it. Just take a guess. How many wins does Robbie Lawler have since Nick Diaz's last win as a professional? I know Lawler's lost most of that. How many wins since, his, since, since Nick Diaz last last, last fight, won which a is fight. what? Since that, sorry, seven, since Nick Diaz eight last years won ago? a fight. Five years ago. No, since he last won a fight. Nick Diaz won a fight. Yeah. But I'm saying that's with that suspension. I'm just saying how many years since it's been his last fight? Five years? Six years? Because he had a five-year suspension. was six plus years ago. But his last win. Since his last win, how many fights has Robbie Lawler won? Okay. Lawler, I'm going to predict since then. Three. He has won. No, more than Eleven times since Nick Diaz last won a fight. Okay, I was going to say three in the last, like, three, four years, probably. That's well, what since, I was thinking. Since Nick Diaz last fought. So since he fought. So, yeah. since that, Nick Diaz last, so Nick Diaz's last fight was, what, 2015, because it's been six years. So basically, in the time that, that Nick Diaz has last, last fought, which was uh, January of 2015, in that time, I guess the last time that he fought, uh, basically... Robbie Lawler was the champion of the world. Like Robbie Lawler was the best welterweight in the world the last time Nick Diaz fought. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I mean he's on a losing streak now. He's lost four in a row, but he's lost to yeah. Magny, Covington, Ben Askren, which was kind of iffy, and uh, Rafael dos Anjos. Yeah, because that's what I'm thinking. All the losses recently, but yeah, he was on that little win streak there. So yeah, makes sense. I don't know. I, I just think. Do you think the even money's based on Diaz getting that win many years ago? No, it's based on. I mean, it's based on people wanting Nick Diaz to win because it opened at minus two fifty for Lawler, and it's bet all the way been bet all the way down to even money. And the reason why that happens is because the public support goes to Nick Diaz because everybody wants Nick Diaz to win this fight. It's a good story if he comes back and wins. People yeah. think Lawler's washed, which I don't believe he is. I just think he's fought really tough guys. Um, like I just I I still cannot wrap my head around this line. You can get Nick, you can get Robbie Lawler at at minus one ten and like. To me, yeah. it's a total slam dunk. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. And, and on paper and how it is, you have to take out your emotional side to the sport when you when you bet on this fight. And you got to think not think about Diaz of who he was before. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think it, it it's the I like I almost relate it to almost like with the Bader Hari Rico. Like you think of Bader Hari as that old killer, amazing, all his old fights, but Rico's been so dominant and like the odds were e- pretty close at one point because of the star power of Bader Hari, right? So you're kind of like but yeah, like you like how can you not bet on Rico? Like it's it would make no sense kind of that's where I'm looking at yeah, it from a kickboxing. That's kind of how I feel too. Gear. And I mean, yeah. let's be real, Nick Diaz, if you've been following his Instagram account the last whatever 5 years, a couple of those Vegas years were spent partying. just going to nightclubs every night. <laughs> yeah, like... Vegas partying, yeah. So, Joints and Vegas partying. So, so yeah. he probably doesn't have as many miles on him in terms of you know, fighting. Like He hasn't taken a lot of shots. But this is a five-round fight. Apparently, it's going to be at middleweight, although Dana White didn't necessarily confirm that. He said that Diaz wants it to be a middleweight. Lawler, he still needs to talk to about it. But, I mean, I, if it, for my TSN edge picks, I'm taking Lawler. And I'm also taking Lawler wins round three, Lawler wins round four, while Lawler wins round five. I think Lawler's going to get a finish in the three, later four, round five. of this fight. Yeah, I, that's that's your that's the good picks. And I mean, it makes sense to do that because I mean, even those 
What's the odds in three, four, five? You're probably getting plus five hundred. No, plus... no, you're getting no. So Lawler wins round three, uh, is plus nineteen hundred in some places. Plus that much? Yeah. Lawler wins round four is plus twenty four hundred in Are one spot. Are you serious? And Lawler wins round five is plus twenty nine hundred. So if you bet a hundred bucks on each of those things and one of them comes through, your minimum amount that you're gonna make is like. Seventeen, fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars, right? Like, yeah, yeah. All right, you're getting twenty to one on what some of those rounds. Yeah, put a dollar, make yeah, twenty bucks. I think bucks. That Nick Diaz can at least last two rounds with Robbie Lawler. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. I think the durability of the Diaz genetics automatically puts you into round three. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's it. So those are your main bets going We've into this. We've also seen weekend. Lawler. Like, remember Lawler against Rory McDonald? He finished him in the fifth round. Like Lawler's power has um, extended into the late rounds. Yeah. I and mean, Lawler also in this time, aside from that that suspicious, I wouldn't say suspicious, but that pretty much bad stoppage against Ben Askren, where he was being choked in a bulldog choke, which very few people win with. He didn't tap. Yeah. And the ref stopped the fight. Huh. What a lot of people don't know about Robbie Lawler with me is he like I, I've never really had many favorite fighters when it comes to MMA for some reason. But years ago, before he was even a talk in the UFC, Robbie Lawler was one of my favorite fighters to watch randomly. I don't know why it was Robbie Lawler, Alvarez and Vitor Belfort. Mm hmm. Well, you're oh, talking through. about before Lawler came back to the UFC, right? Like the strike force. Well, I mean, even like tried. from before, like I was remember, I'm talking UFC one, two, three. I'm talking just the early, like I was okay. following the early stages of Robbie Lawler. Yeah, that was my guy for some reason. Just that exciting forward pressure style, loved it. Robbie Lawler has been in the game so long that he has a win over Brian Ortega's manager. So you know, yeah, so take that for it's insane. And how old is Lawler? Lawler's, I need to know this. Lawler is uh, 37, 39. 38. Young guy yeah. like me, 39. Yeah, young young buck. Yeah, that's incredible. I got to think he's almost done here, though. I think one or two, and that's it for him. There can't be much more for Lawler. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's still training at Sanford MMA. I, I still think the guy, like, if you're going to put him against, like, the Matt Browns of the world, kind of the older fighters, um, I know Carlos Condit retired. That would have been a good rematch, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what Robbie Lawler does. I mean, if Robbie Lawler loses this fight, then I think you got to say that it's probably call it a day. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Again, I just the evidence is so overwhelming as to why you would bet Robbie Lawler in this fight that to get it at even money is like... Insane. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. there we go. We're putting your house on it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're so well, confident. If you want to take the amount of money out of the bank it. of the value of my house, Joe, and put it on it, feel free. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put all your house money on it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. We'll double up. All right. Well, let's let's continue to move down the card. Curtis Blades minus 300 against Jairzinho Rosenstroik. Another one where you kind of have to look for an angle. Unless you think Rosenstroik can do what a lot of these heavy hitters have done to Curtis Blades and catch him. Yeah, and I think Curtis Blades, the wrestling, the the length, I think he gets it done. That's uh, that's a tough fight, but when you got power, you got power. So Rosenstroik, never count him out. But I think the involvement in the MMA game, he gets it done. Curtis Blades. Yeah, well, Blades, here's the thing, though. I mean, we've seen what Blades' kryptonite is, and it's just heavy hitters that can time him well. And Rosenstrike's got good timing. So this is one yeah. that I would just either stay away from entirely or you take an angle with Blades where uh, you look at Blades by TKO is plus 120. Blades by uh, decision 
is uh, plus 220. And then there's the really interesting one, which is Blades by Submission. Because I've spoken to Curtis Blades, and he said that he's going to get a sub one day. He says he, he works <laughs> on that part of his game. He works on his jiu-jitsu a lot and wants to show that he think has so. it. So, but uh, Rosenstroik doesn't strike me as a guy that uh, gets submitted very, like, that leaves himself susceptible to submission. So who knows? But, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I think you just have to kind of look for an angle on this one and go with it, but uh, I don't, I, I don't really have a good one for this fight. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I just feel in blades, whatever that means. All right. Well, what's the blades by decision? What did I say the blades by decision was? That might be the angle that I think would have the most value at least. Yeah, blades by decision at plus two hundred. Yeah, got some value because Rosenstrike is not an easy guy to put away. In fact. Has he, has he, has he, I guess, yeah, Francis knocked him out, but Francis, you know, we know. Francis has the touch of death, so. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Andrade, Cynthia, Cynthia Calvillo, this is an interesting one. I think that you, you get some good value here on Calvillo, honestly, at plus 220. But Andrade is just, yeah, that's a tough one to call. But uh, Andrade yeah. is one heck of a fighter. Yeah, she's something different, too. She's uh, just got that power with her, you know, that forward and she's got uh, apparently good looks because people say that can look like me, Jessica Andrade. Yeah, I can see that yeah. a little bit. The face structure, the bone, the cheekbones. So, yeah, so she's got some good-looking genetics. Yeah, well, there you so, go. Yeah. Uh, genetics, as we call yeah, it. Yeah, she's got the genetics. <laughs> she, don't, she doesn't kick like me, though, she, but she's got some good punching power. Maybe hits harder than me on the hands, but she doesn't have my low kicks. That would be interesting if you like if you guys went to the PI and you you did that uh, thing that measures the the power of the punch. You think she could beat you? No. No. Okay. No. No. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. Come on. Yeah, Aaron, I was say, I'm a 200 I, pound. Yeah, I was gonna say she's she's 125 striker. pounds on a good day. That would be embarrassing if any even in the male 155 division there should be nobody hitting harder than me. Well, Maybe not, what about there's a, some. No, not no. close. Not close. Yeah, she might. She might have some crack, but no, not not anywhere close. Not any close. Where I bet you my kicks would be better than uh, probably in the middleweight division. My my kicks at welterweight. I would put my kicks a weight class up. Oh, against UFC guys. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. kickboxers, I'd probably still put it up there. Oh, Israel's a one eighty five. So is Michelle Pereira. Michelle Pereira is yeah. now a UFC middleweight. Yeah, I bet you I kick harder than Adesanya though. What about Michelle Pereira? Uh, you he you're talking about Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira, sorry, Alex. Pereira. Yeah, yeah. Alex Pereira, I would kick harder than him. Okay. Right. Yeah, for sure. He would probably tell you that too. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I don't. Adesanya would tell you that too. For sure, I hit harder. They they will say they hit longer, more precise, more accurate to tell you it's not about power, but pound for pound, I would hit harder. I lift heavier, stronger, powerful, more explosive. Well, I'd be interested in finding out as long as I'm not on the receiving end of those kicks. That's yeah. There you go. Yeah, you can write it. You can I like write my numbers limbs a little though. bit too much. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, definitely hit harder than all of them, Aaron. Come on. <laughs> well, we talked about Marab versus uh, Marlon Marais. Uh, I think yeah. more often than not, Marab is able to win this fight, but I th just think that Marais is so dangerous that uh, this might be a good, um, this might be a, a really good value, honestly, for Marais. I, like, again, I think the Marais sub has a lot of value and just Marais in general at plus 200. I think they're getting good He needs value a win though. No, doesn't he need a win? He's down. Marais, His last no, loss Marais was, uh, needs a win. was font. And then before that, I think he lost two, uh, I think he's lost three in a row. Hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Two or three finished too. I believe he's been finished. I don't think he's won since the Cejudo fight. Oh yeah. Yeah. He beat Jose Aldo. That split decision. That was a close fight. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, yeah he got wheel kicked by Corey Sanhagen and then got knocked out by Rob font. Yeah. So he's one and three in his last four. He needs this win. But where do you think Marab, measures up against 
a guy like a Rob Font or a Sandhagen? Like, is he is he at that level? Would you say the, just, the answer could be yes. Yeah, I mean, just different, different. Yeah, because it's uh, tough to tell. Marice against Sandhagen, he was a plus one twenty underdog. He was a favorite against Rob Font, and now he's a plus two hundred underdog against Marab. Yeah, I, I just think stylistically, I think Marab's going to be tough for anyone he fights. Cause... But we also have to remember, damage is king when it comes to these judges. And Marab is not necessarily landing a ton of damage. He's getting the takedowns, then the guys get up, and then he takes them down again. Yeah, but I can you land damage on that when he's on your back and he's sitting on you and he's laying on you? He's hard to hit, too, and try to create damage, so... It's tough, yeah. I just think he's one of those awkward, like, that fly that doesn't want to leave you alone and it just keeps buzzing in your face. And, yeah, he's not going to stop. He ain't going to stop. So yeah, I, I would have to go Marais in this spot, honestly. I, I just think that, like, just just strictly from a value standpoint. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm 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 stuck on that. I'm, I'm still leaning Marab, to be honest. That annoying pressure, I think, gets it done. It's very hard for people. Well, Very I want, difficult. I want to talk about Dan Hooker versus Nazra Hackbrass, but I feel like by the time that this it people listen to show, changing. it might be done. <laughs> yeah, it might well, not be happening. We talked about it earlier. It's a fantastic fight, regardless. Great fight, Dan Hooker yeah. minus one forty-five favorite. I would lean Dan Hooker on, with that price, but that's a that's a, a really good fight, and I, I think Nazra Hackbrass, if he ends up winning this fight, is now a top ten guy in the division, which is pretty uh, mm-hmm. interesting. Which he started with a lot of good hype, and then I felt like he fell off with a loss or two, and then now once. he lost to um, who did he lose to? It's not even here. Oh, Drew Dober. He had a loss to Drew yeah. Dober. Okay, and then and yeah, and Drew Dober's the... been been good since, right? So big powerhouse. Yep. Yeah. I hope so. Hasbrad, good-looking kid, good technician, fights well. He's got he's got some definitely. Uh, star potential in him yeah well i mean like i mentioned his mother passed away quite recently so i'm sure that he's carrying a pretty heavy heart into this one she was battling cancer for some time apparently yeah well my condolences to him and his family so uh why don't we move forward from that one because we just don't know what the status of it is um and you got chris Dawkins a minus 200 favorite against shamil Abdurrahimov. But uh, the thing that stood out to me was you can get Dawkins by KO at plus 115, plus 125, plus one, you know, in that range. That seems to me like it's just an easy play. This guy is destroying guys it. with his hands in the first round, and his boxing looks pretty unbelievable. And I think Abdurakhimov is like round, is nearing 40. Yeah. Yeah. Dawkins gets wild. That's uh, It's worth uh, dropping a little bit on that for sure. Dawkins getting him by finish. I think he's been pretty technical with his striking. I thought when he went for that last finish the last time, he was opening up pretty wild and got aggressive. Or am I – is there's two Dawkinses, isn't there? Am I confusing yeah, him Dawkins with one? Yeah, younger brothers in the middleweight division, Kyle Okay, Dawkins. so maybe was the younger one the more wild finish I saw then? One of them came with more of a wild finish, I remember. Well, I don't know. Chris Big Dawkins is just like a pretty technical boxer, basically. Like he's just – he's got fast hands for the heavyweight division, and he, he knows how to use them. I, yeah. I can't remember. I don't think I've ever recall Chris Dawkins getting wild. Getting like wild like that? No. I don't know. I remember one of his, uh, Probably I thought anyways, that got super wild, hit the big shot, got wild, got the finish. But, uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm tuned in watching, that's well, for see, sure. We'll see, if, we'll see if Officer Dawkins can get done. I don't know if he's still a police officer in Philadelphia, but he was. I think he might have actually resigned or taken a leave so that he could pursue this full time. Uh, because he's looked so good in the year. Like, he could, he could be fighting for the title in a year if he keeps, like, winning fights the way he's been winning. Yeah, yeah, well, Although the heavyweight a lot of potential. Kind of jammed right now. Yeah. Uh, Chyla Santos, minus 410 against Roxanne Modafferi at plus 310. Uh, this is going to be another tough one for Modafferi. I mean, it seems like they, they keep putting Roxanne Modafferi against, like, just the killers of the division. 
Like, so since she's joined the UFC, um, she beat Barb Honchak, so that that was not like a, a lopsided matchup. Against Sajara Eubank, she was a plus 450 underdog. Against Antonina Shevchenko, who she beat, she was a plus 270 underdog. Against Jennifer Maya, plus 120 underdog. I think she might, I can't remember if she won that one as well. Beat Macy Barber as a plus 650 underdog. Uh, lost to Lauren Murphy, who's fighting for the title. Lost, uh, I think she beat Andrea Lee as a big underdog as well. And then Viviani Araujo, she lost to in her last fight. Yeah, well, I think Mata Fair is just awkward for anybody to fight. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think she's, uh, man, I wouldn't want to fight her, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, a couple other notes from this card. Uh, Manon Fioro is on the card again. She's been getting finishes, racking them up. Great kickboxing um, and Muay Thai. Uh, I think she gets another KO here against Mayra Bueno Silva. Uh, but she's she's someone who's quickly moving up the flyweight ladder and will be probably one or two fights away from the title if she gets this one done. Jeez, all right. I got to keep an eye on these uh, up-and-comers. I always like to know the one or two that you want me to keep an eye on. That's one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, and then there's two interesting fighters on this card. Nick Maximov, who was on last year's Contender Series, is a training partner of Nick Diaz. And Martin Sano, who's lost two in a row, is a training partner of Nick Diaz. And I, they were both, I guess, signed in order to get Nick Diaz to come out of retirement. Not out of retirement, <laughs> but to come back to the UFC. So two Nick Diaz training partners are on this card. Maximov facing your guy, Carl Roberson. Yeah, I mean, Carl's tough, man. Big hitter, big striker. I think he's just – he does well, but he just – just has that unlucky touch to him. I think uh, I still think he gets better. He's confident, and I think he's a tough fight for anyone because he's not intimidated. So I just want to see him do well. All right, so some quick notes. Uh, you mentioned the uh, press conference with uh, Overeem and Rico Verhoeven. I guess they didn't come to blows like uh, Alvarez and Caleb Plant did. But that, no, in boxing, no. there's not usually someone standing in the middle, is there? Like they, Usually they just stand and look at each other for two minutes in boxing, uh, if I recall, because Dana White criticized Showtime. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I don't uh, that slap, I, I had to – it's funny because people are breaking it down now. Some people are like, oh, the way Canelo rolled that slap, but then there's pictures of it landing. But regardless, I mean, I think Caleb Plant's a, a good opponent for him. But the way still how sharp Canelo's eyes are in that street fight was incredible. Like the way he slipped that punch, he's countering, not even trying. I mean, that Canelo's phenomenal. I just love watching him, even if it's him slipping slaps. It's still incredible to watch that man yeah. uh, use his head movement. Shout out to Robin Black did a good Robin Black uh, breakdown of, of uh, oh, I gotta watch that one. I didn't see that out. one. Yeah, um, but I, speaking of Robin Black, him and I did a, a, a Nick Diaz uh, segment that's going to be airing on Sports Center. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, I know you're a great striking coach, Joe, but you're also good at throwing strikes. You might have to teach Conor McGregor a thing or two. Uh, I know. I posted that on my Instagram today yeah, or uh, yesterday night because uh, Conor cannot pitch. So I put on my Instagram that Conor needs to learn calf kick defense and how to pitch from me. Well, so Joe, I mean, lots of learning. McGregor has that powerful left hand, and we just his his left is so powerful that he can't even throw a pitch. He can't like, even do he it. He just throws it so far. He probably was just lobbing it, and because his left hand is so powerful, so laser pinpoint, it. yeah, it's just like a rocket launcher. Yeah. Well. Need some work on that accuracy, that's for sure. Although I will but say, it's... I was on the court at Madison Square Garden when he was gonna—he was facing Eddie Alvarez, and they had open workouts. And he, he took the basketball and took a shot, and it went in. And he had terrible form on his jump shot, but I—I I couldn't believe a the confidence to do that in front of a big crowd. You're, you like you could completely embarrass yourself by throwing yeah. up an air ball. He hit it like that. Yeah. That's one of the more impressive things I've seen Conor McGregor do. Yeah, I, I can see. I'm surprised, though, seeing him do things like that. He's not as athletic as you would think a multiple-time world champion would be. You would think an, uh, a UFC world champion would at least be able to play different sports pretty well. But, man, he's he's not very good at other sports, it looks like. Yeah. 
would appear so. Well, we got to wrap this one up, Joe. Uh, thanks for this. And uh, we'll be back next week to recap UFC 266 and talk about everything in the world of combat sports. Appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you then. Boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.